The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. All right, you guys awake today? You guys ready? Everybody's thought out a little bit. Are we, are we ready to go? Okay, okay, some of you are there. So, so, okay, those who are thawed and awake, you need to lead the way, okay? You need, to, you need to help us out a little bit today. Make up for those who are still shivering. Anybody's um, toes and fingers still, like, in the tingly mode? Anybody still there? Yeah, I, I, I know, it's cold. It's cold. Mine are still there from shoveling yesterday. <sighs> um, but hey, I, wanna, I, wanna, I do enjoy the new year. I'll be honest. Uh, I know not everybody's like, hey, I'm a New Year's goal person. I like the new year because it allows me to be like, okay, whatever I did or didn't accomplish last year, like fresh, fresh, uh, clean slate, okay? I got some new things out in front of me. And, and it's a good time just to kind of reevaluate what really matters, like the essential things in life. And so we as a church are going to do that as we start off this year, uh, this January. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, our Crossroads Church mission statement. And it's so much more than a mission statement. It, it, it's really the reason that we're here. Uh, you, you'll read on, on, on the screen behind me there, to become and build, becoming and building fully committed followers of Jesus. Now, Maybe you read that and go, that seems like a pretty broad stroke generic statement. And it is. It, it's pretty broad. broad. It covers a lot of things. We could, we could put a lot of things in that category. But, but what I want us to do for the next few weeks is I want us to look at each phrase because each phrase is very, very powerful. Becoming and building fully committed followers of Jesus. And so we're going to take one phrase a week for the next few weeks. But here's the deal. As you read it, it kind of uh, culminates with that last statement. The become and build doesn't mean much. You can become and build a lot of things. It doesn't mean much without that last phrase, followers of Jesus, right? Fully committed. We can commit ourselves fully to all kinds of New Year's resolutions and all kinds of different uh, causes and agendas. That's great. So that doesn't really give us the specificity we need. What really matters, what this whole statement behind me is all about is that last phrase, isn't it? Followers of Jesus. Um, okay, so I knew I wanted to talk about being followers of Jesus, and I had, I'll be honest, think about it. If you were to say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach on being a follower of Jesus, there are, I don't know, somewhere around like 10 or 20 billion directions you could go with this, right? Like we could talk about all these different aspects and nuances. People have been talking about this for 2,000 years. There's plenty to say on the matter. Um, but, but I had this thought this week. I had this thought this week. What if, what if Jesus followed me for a month? What if Jesus followed me like a shadow? Everywhere I went, he went. What if Jesus followed me for a month? Some of you are like, oh boy, I would, that would, I'd get in trouble, right? Which is funny, because like, you know he does, right? And anyway, but we're not dwell on that. Um, Right, but what if Jesus followed me for a week? Let me ask you, if Jesus followed you everywhere you went for a week, could he conclude that you are a follower of Jesus? Right, if, if everywhere you were, he was there too. If everywhere that you went, he followed, if he was, if Jesus followed you for a month, would he come to the conclusion that you are a follower of his? 
right? And, and honestly, one of the first things, one of the thir- first things that, that may come to mind is that sin issue, right? Oh, brother, he's going to see me do X, Y, and Z. He's going to see me, oh, he's going to see me blow up at so-and-so. He's going to see me cut corners here. He's going to see me say those things. He's going to sit there and watch the same stuff I watch. Sometimes we instantly go to the sin stuff, and it makes you feel all like crummy and gross, right? Work on your sin issues, but that's not the point of this message, okay? <laughs> uh, Yes, Jesus cares about those areas of life, and we're going to constantly be forgiven, and, and we're going to find freedom in those things as we follow him. Just don't, just don't forget Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't forget that, please. Right? Jesus j- doesn't show up in the room to beat you over the head. That's not the point of this. We should grow in those areas, but that's not the point. I want to go to the next level. When we talk about following Jesus, it's so often that in the church world, we associate, when we think of following Jesus, we think of eradicating sin. That the closer I am to Jesus, I can measure my closeness with Jesus based on how much sin or lack of sin is in my life. Are there some correlations there that you could draw? Yes. But is that the fullness of following Jesus is just to eliminate all the sin? And once all the sin is gone, then I'm a perfect follower of Jesus? Is that what that means? How about this one? This is a classic example, the, the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, how can I find, find eternal life? How can I be saved, essentially? And Jesus says this, um, obey all the commandments. And what does he say? He says, I do them all. And Jesus didn't say, okay, good, you've done it. Now you're following me. No, he said, there's something else. Go sell all your possessions and, and give it all to the poor and then come follow me. And he was like, I says, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, here's the deal. Getting rid of sin and doing right things, like, like, like the, getting rid of all the sin, is not the end of following Jesus. It's barely even, I don't even know if I'd call it the beginning. He said there were things that he wanted him to do. There's things in his life, like it, it requires surrender to follow Jesus. I heard, actually, I was reading in a book, um, Until Unity by Francis Chan, fantastic book. But he makes this comment, and it, it, I haven't shaken it. I've been meditating for a long time. He said, so many people think, that surrender is a sign of spiritual maturity, but surrender is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Surrender is a, is a requirement for salvation. <laughs> that rocked me. Because, like, are we surrendered to Jesus? That, that's what salvation is, surrendering our life to Jesus. This is what following him is, is all about. So, okay, if Jesus were following me for a month, and we're going to get past the sin things. We, we know we need some work in those areas. But let's go to the like, actually like, following Jesus thing. Like, are, are we following Jesus in our marriages? Like, husbands, are you loving your wives with the, in the same capacity that God loves the church? Wives, are you respecting your husbands as the God-appointed head over your family? Now, here's the deal. Some people even bristle at that. Guys, I'm just quoting scripture, Ephesians 4, 5. Check it out. Are we following God in our, in our marriages? Uh, how about are we following God in our finances? Are we, are we giving him the first fruits? The, the, are, we, are, we, are we tithing? Are we going beyond that and, and giving generously and, and supporting those who are, are building the kingdom of God? Some of us bristle at that because we're like, ooh, tithing's Old Testament. Do I even have to do that? I'm not talking about sin issues. I'm talking about are we, are we seeing God's path forward for our lives and say, God, if this is valuable to me, then I'm going to make it, or if this is valuable to you, then I'm going to make it valuable to me. Who cares where it's found? If it's in the heart of God, then I'm going to follow. How about, do I, do I follow God with a Sabbath? Do I take one day a week and I, I give it to him and rest and refreshment? 
yeah, yeah, but this is Old Testament stuff. This supersedes the Old Testament. This isn't Old Testament stuff. This is God's stuff. Are you following Jesus in these, these areas of your life? What does your calendar look like? Does it look like you're following Jesus? What, is your, what, what, what does your bank account look like? Does it look like you're following Jesus? What does your Netflix queue look like? Does it look like you're following Jesus? Like these aspects of, I'm not talking about sin. We're following him where he's going. Whew, right? I, I get it. I know. This is heavy. Like, you're really starting the year like this? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm not done yet. Here's one more. <laughs> How about our attitude and our character? If Jesus followed you around for a month, would he look at the way that you live your life? Not just your sin, not just your habits, but he look at the way that you live your life, the attitude that you have, the character in which you interact with people, the things that are happening, not just externally, but in your heart. Would he say, man, that looks like me? Hey, there's somebody who's following, not perfect, there's somebody who's following me, who's, who's putting the right things in front of them. I want to read something. Paul says this, like, what, so what does that look like, right? Paul says this. He's talking about, like, what does it mean to live, a, like, following a life in the flesh? So basically following the flesh or following a life in the spirit, which, which you can easily just say, like, following Jesus. And, and, he, and, he, and he paints two different pictures. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, Im- immorality, or sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. So there's three, like, sets of characteristics. The first one, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And if those categorize your life, you, you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to bring those to God. There's no condemnation, but he's going to forgive you and set you free. Okay? But then there's some of us, like real good Christians, you know, um, and we feel good because we're like, oh, no, I, no, that's, that's not issues I, I deal with. See, there's a, there's a semicolon after that because it separates a different list. Here's the second list. Idolatry and witchcraft. <sighs> nope, I don't have any idols in my home, and I don't worship Satan. I'm doing good, all right? There's two. I said there was four lists, actually. I had three, there was four. So those are the first two. And there's another semicolon, indicating a new list. Hatred. If you hate somebody, hatred and discord. If, you're, if you hate somebody, I... That's a sign that you're following the flesh, not following Jesus. Because followers of Jesus don't hate, and they don't sow discord. How about this one? Jealousy. If jealousy is something that you regularly deal with, you're following the flesh. You're not following Jesus. Fits of rage. Now, this one is going to hit more of us than anyone in the room would think it hits. Because fits of rage are those little outbursts that you can do in the privacy of your own home that only your family knows about and nobody else does because they seem like such a nice guy. There's forgiveness and healing and freedom from fits of rage because that's in the flesh. God has called us to walk by the Spirit by following Jesus. It doesn't have to be that way. How about selfish ambition? I don't care who you are, this one stings. (laughs) Even my goodness is often cloaked in selfish ambition, if I'm going to be honest. That's a way of the flesh. It's not following Jesus. Dissension in factions. If you really love drawing lines and then pointing fingers on the other side of it, that's, that's straight from the devil. I don't know. I know what you're thinking. I don't don't do that. The other people do, and they're miserable because they do it. 
<laughs> Some of you got that, right? Okay, it's so easy to do, right? Okay. I lost my spot. Oh, I turned the page, that's why. Um, drunkenness, orgies, and the like is the last list. That's not following Jesus. Nobody would argue that. But, you know, we look at the things, like, we, we, we want to just, like, look at the first couple and look at the last couple and say that we're okay. Hey, uh, like, sexual Im- uh, immorality, um, witchcraft, uh, orgies, th- that's not my thing. I'm good. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle of there that looks different. So let me ask, if Jesus is following you around, is he going to find this? Or, and then, G- and then Paul says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, the byproduct of the Spirit of God living in you, how do we experience the Spirit of God living in us? By following Jesus. The byproduct of following Jesus is this, love and joy and peace. You guys know it. Many of you have memorized it. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I've, I've, heard, I've heard it said, and the more I think about it, the more I meditate on it, the more I think this is like really, really true, is that all, there's nine of those lists, the good ones. And the last six could all be summed up in the first three. Love, joy, and peace. Peace, that, that, that thing that's deep within you, that no matter what's happening outside of me, there's a sense of like it is well with my soul because I know whose I am and I know who I am. Right? Peace. Joy. From that place of peace, there's this thing that bubbles out of me. This gratitude that bubbles out into joy in the way that I live my life. And when there's that peace within and that joy that bubbles out, it makes it much more easier to love the people around me because I'm not worried about my insecurities. I'm not, le- I'm not hiding behind. I'm not fronting for other people. I'm not trying to look at. I can just love somebody selflessly because I don't have to worry about protecting me because I know who I am, right? You see, and if, if I have love, joy, and peace, patience comes naturally, goodness comes naturally, kindness comes naturally, self-control just flows. Love, joy, peace. If God, if, if Jesus were to follow you around, if Jesus were to follow you, would he conclude that you're following him? How much love, joy, and peace are you experiencing in life right now? Okay. Here's the deal. For those of you who play football, um, or like watch. There's a lot of football on TV right now, isn't there? Okay, sometimes you look at that, you're like, that's so violent. But if you're like a, a good dude and you love Jesus and you love football and you love hitting people hard within the rules, like football's fantastic. I remember being, and you just nail somebody and they're like on the ground and you're like, yeah. And then you like give them their hand and then you like pick them back up. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do this morning. Okay, if you felt run over... I hope it's not me, but the Holy Spirit, because I believe, and maybe this is how I'm wired, I believe sometimes I hide behind assumptions because I haven't really leaned into truths, and I haven't wanted to look really closely into the mirror. And sometimes I just got to look at ugly stuff in me and hold it up to the scripture, and often it feels like I just got drilled by the linebacker for a loss, okay? But God, in his grace, he leans a hand down and he says, no, 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 come on. Um, But we can't live blind. Let's just call it like it is. Let's not pretend. We're not wearing masks. We're not trying to be somebody that we're not. Sometimes we don't follow Jesus very good, right? Can we all agree? 
I've got some room to grow. And so I want us to grow. Like I want, like this is what it's about. If, if, if we're saying that we're all about becoming and building fully committed followers of Jesus, if we're not following Jesus, I want to acknowledge it so that I can get up and start following him, right? I want to live with, with love, joy, and peace naturally flowing out of me. See, I've heard too many sermons preached on the, on the fruit of the Spirit that the conclusion was, now go get yourself some more joy. Good luck. Has anybody tried? It doesn't work. See, these are the byproducts of what? Of following Jesus. <laughs> you follow Jesus and watch what happens. All right, so now here's, here's the problem, though. Sometimes we follow Jesus kind of like we follow our favorite celebrity, right? All you have to do is, like, click the, like, follow button on Instagram, and you're following them, right? We follow politicians. We follow sports figures. We follow movie stars. Now we follow influencers. Nobody even knows what that is yet. Like, like we, follow, we follow all kinds of people. And what does that mean? We, 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 we see what they tweet, and we, we, we read the latest articles, and where they took their last vacations, and who they're in conflict with, and we're, we're, we're their biggest follower. But Jesus is calling us to, a follow, to follow him in a different capacity. See, Jesus is different. He's not some celebrity that's far off that we just have to, like, watch from a distance. He, he's more like the next-door neighbor that every single morning texts you, like, hey, I got my, my day is absolutely free. Um, I'd love to spend some time with you. Uh, you. You got some time we can spend together? Now, what if every single day you ghosted that neighbor but then stalked them on Facebook and then told everyone that you were their follower? Is that weird? Like, we, we celebrated communion. We celebrated the death of Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't only purchase salvation, he purchased closeness and relationship. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the, the curtain of the Holy of Holies, that the, the place where the very presence of God uh, like was manifest on earth, that only the high priest could go to, and only once a year, and only cloaked in tons of religious activity. He said, the Bible says that that curtain was torn in two, and the very presence of God was made available by everyone who calls on Jesus. And every morning, you get a little text that says, hey, when can we hang out? And like, I'm his follower. Did you see his last Facebook post? I want more. I, I want more. How can we claim to follow Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus? And listen, I know I, I'm saying this in, in a way that's like, oh, makes you feel like, ah, I need to do better. But I know there's some of you that are like knocking it out of the park. The reason that there's life and hope in this place is because there's some of you who've established a lifestyle of meeting with Jesus and you hear his voice every single day and you don't just have to read articles about where Jesus was last. He told you this morning where he's going and you're following him. That's available to us. And that's the reason why there, there's any health and any spirit of God alive in this place at all is because there are people who are following him. Friends, it is January 2nd. My prayer for us this year is that we would learn how to follow Jesus more closely than we ever have before. <clears throat> Do you guys remember when we 
first started doing our prayer and worship nights. I say that like it was a long time ago. It was just only a few months ago. And what we started to do is stopping and, and, and pausing and making sure everybody filled out a prayer card, remember? Because we just had to, you know, sometimes you just got to slow things way down. And I just felt God putting this on my heart. So I know we're going to come back to this a bunch until you're probably tired of it. I just felt like God just put this on my heart really, really strongly, and that's this, is that we needed to slow down the same slow speed and make sure that every single person who calls Crossroads Church their home spends time with Jesus every day. And if you do, fantastic. I would encourage you to like, pers- on a personal level, you don't need programs to do this. On a personal level, find somebody who you know needs some help in that area and don't condemn them, don't bash them, but say, can I help you? Provide some accountability and let's walk this thing out together. If you're not spending time with Jesus every day and then you wonder why you deal with jealousy and selfish ambition and dissensions and all, it's be, like you don't have to. If you wonder where the joy is, I'll tell you exactly how to get it. Spend time with the giver of joy. If you want peace in a chaotic culture, stop watching the news and read the Bible. With this, like, I want more love. I want my capacity to love to increase. I want my capacity for joy to increase. I want my capacity for peace to increase. I can tell you with 100% assurity how you can get more love and joy and peace in your life. 100%. You're like, how can you guarantee that? Okay, well, how about this? I can guarantee that you will be in better health in one year if you do three things. Guarantee it. I've tried everything. I guarantee it. I'm going to say four things. I forgot one. Four things. They're all real simple. Consume less bad things. Consume more good things. Don't consume too much. And move a little bit. You do those four things, and I promise with 100% confidence you'll be healthier this time next year if you do that every day this year. And you're smiling because, duh, the problem is doing it, right? Okay, let me tell you this. Spiritually speaking, I can guarantee more love, more joy, and more peace. Guarantee it if you do four things. Consume less bad things. Consume more good things. Don't consume too much. And get a little bit active in the things of God. Absolute guarantee. Money back guarantee. You try it for a year and see what happens. I'll give you every dollar that you spend on doing those things. Oh, some people will sell you some stuff in order to do them too. And so listen, I'm not trying, there's no guilt here. Like, we just have to come to a point where we're like, oh yeah. The reason that I'm not in the shape that I want to be physically is because I just don't do the things that are right in front of me. And the reason that my heart still hurts so often 
The reason that bitterness comes up too quick, the reason why depression overwhelms instead of peace, the reason why I haven't laughed in months, the reason why my relationships are strained, it's not rocket science. It's just like we haven't chosen to spend time with Jesus. So with my time left, um, I want to be practical, okay? Um, I've probably preached this sermon very, very similar to it before. I want to be practical. I want to give you some things to do. Um, one is this. I'm just going to hit this quick because we've gone over this last year. Is, is um, You know what? For sake of time, I'm going to skip that part. <clears throat> I'm going to give us three things. Okay? I know I said those four. Whatever. You can write those down if you want to, but those are just an illustration. There's three things, three disciplines that I, I honestly believe. Um, two are filled with scriptural reference. The third one you're just going to have to take my word on. Okay? Three things, three disciplines that I'm going to encourage you. Like These are, these are going to be like meaningful elements with your time with Jesus. Meaningful elements of your time with Jesus. If, you, if you're like, I need to follow Jesus more closely. I want to hear his voice. I want to recognize his voice. I love Dick Dungan. Many of you guys know Dick Dungan. He, he says this, and Grady said it a bunch of times as well. I don't know who originally. Maybe you said it first. I don't know. Uh, but we, we, we get away to those places when it's quiet, quiet time, whether that's a retreat away or 30 minutes in the morning with Jesus. We practice hearing his voice in the stillness so that we can hear his voice when life gets loud. I know so many people like, tell me about your quiet time. Well, I don't really have a set quiet time. I just like, I just interact with God all day long. <laughs> sure. Um, that's like saying, I don't really go on dates with my wife. We just check in with each other all the time. Okay. Good luck, okay? Those who do the best at interacting with God all day long are those who discipline that quiet space with them. Those who have a good relationship with their spouse all day long are those who give them the time that is necessary for that relationship in those times. Um, so here's, here's three things. The first one is worship. Uh, I remember Jim and Tina's testimony that we, that we heard at the beginning of, of November, uh, the testimony of man, I started doing the soap thing last year. And I'll talk about that in a minute. They started doing the soap thing or their Bible study. And one of the things she said was, I started incorporating worship into my time with the Lord as well. There is something so powerful about incorporating worship into your personal and private time with God that, that is, is so, so rich and deep. Because <coughs> um, this is what I've come to believe, that worship positions us to receive from God. Worship positions us to receive from God. Psalm 137 excuse me, 132.7 says, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. We could go in the Psalms all day long with, with things where, where, where the psalmist is just like pouring himself. Let, let, let we bow down low. Let we worship at his footstool. Let, let's go to the place where God is and we kneel face down. <laughs> and the significance is this. If you go to God and worship in order to get something from him, that's not worship at all. Okay, so when I say worship, I'm assuming like authentic worship. 
If you're going to God, like, I'm supposed to worship because I know if I worship, then God's going to give me, like, the warm fuzzies that I desire or something. Like, that's weird and manipulated and not worship at all, okay? When, when we talk about worship, we're talking about acknowledging who God is. And when we come into the presence of God and we acknowledge who he is, it, we can't help but recognize real quick and clearly who I am. And it really puts things in perspective. When I come into the presence of God and, and I see him for who he is, not only does it put in perspective who I am, but it puts everything that I'm worrying about in perspective. Anybody ever had this where you're like absolutely overwhelmed with very real conflict or very real troubles, very real hurts? And you come into the presence of God, and the hurts didn't go away. The troubles didn't change. Your circumstances didn't change. But all of a sudden, peace just wells up inside of you. It's not because you, God like said, oh, don't worry about that. It doesn't matter. It's that in light of him, are, are, are the things that we deal with are nothing when we see how big he is. So here's something practical. I'm talking practical. And I'm saying, like, do this. Like, you just have to, just, trust me, just do this. Find, um, find a handful of worship songs that you like, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on Spotify or whatever your music player is of choice. Find, make a playlist. And if that's not your digital thing, go burn a CD if you can find a computer old enough to do that. Um, <clears throat> make yourself some music of your favorite worship songs. And here's something that, I, that I've implemented into my life at different seasons, and I'm, and I'm coming back here again. Discipline yourself to every single day. Listen to one worship song with no distraction, meditating on the words in a place where you can sing it out loud as a declaration of your worship to God. Think about what would happen if you did that every single day of your life from anywhere between four and worship songs getting long, 15 minutes. <laughs> if you just said, I am going to, for this four minute, this 15 minute piece in my day, maybe it's a part of your quiet time. Maybe it's, it's on your drive to work where you turn the radio off, you turn the news off, you turn on some worship, you stop yelling at the traffic and you just say, my mind is going to be fixed solely and completely on the nature and the character of God for these four to 15 minutes uninterrupted. What will that do to your life? right? But you just got to decide if it's something you want to do. Do you want to worship? Worship. Second one, word. This one we all know, right? Psalm 119, 105, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? His word will illuminate things for you. And sometimes we think about that as it pertains to like direction, like, God, I need to know what decision to make for this thing. Like, yes, sometimes he gives you that, the, the lamp for my feet and the light to my path. Sometimes we want to know all the way down the path. Usually he just gives you the next step. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you don't need to know where he ends up 10 years from now. Some of you are like planners, five-year, 10-year, 15, 20-year plan. Like, honestly, good luck with that. I, I'm not wired that way. So if you, if you are, you go for it. I just want to know where Jesus is going to lead me today. Now there's, there's merit in planning. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but like following Jesus is about knowing where he is right now and where he's going. God, what do you want from me? God, just, just light the path. And so here's where this soaping thing 
Some of you who are new, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. SOAP is an acronym, and it's a fantastic way to read your Bible. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. <coughs> if this is new for you, let me just encourage you to write this down. Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. <coughs> Can I get some water? Sorry, guys. Ah, there we go. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. I want help, so I'm just going to take a minute here. Yeah, we got it. And I want to I show you what my soaping was yesterday, just to help you know how to think, think about this. So our Bible reading plan started yesterday with John chapter one. If you, hadn't, if you didn't start yesterday, don't worry about it. Today, Sundays and Mondays are the days off for the free days. Just start in John chapter one today. You're good. John chapter one. So I read John chapter one. For the scripture part, this is what you're supposed to, it's not just reading the scripture. The scripture part is like finding a verse, a phrase, an idea in your reading that stands out to you. So the, the S in scripture is not just read the chapter. The S in scripture is find that piece of scripture that is meaningful and then write it down, okay? Um, John chapter one is a little bit long. There's a number of things that I like. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Oh, that's kind of neat. But here's one that really caught my attention. And so then I wrote it down. It says, when the disciples heard him say, look, the Lamb of God, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now maybe that doesn't mean much to you, but God just brought some things to light for me in that verse. They followed Jesus. And then turning around, Jesus saw them following, and then he asked them, what do you want? So here was my observation. So this is what, what came out to me when I, when I read that. And listen, sometimes you read it through one time. Tell me this. Okay, I've worked with teenagers. You get this all the time, but even with adults sometimes. Like you're sitting in a Bible study, and you're like, hey, we're going to read this passage of Scripture. And you read one paragraph, and then you say, hey, um, can somebody uh, paraphrase that? What, what did we just read? And everybody stares at you like deer in the headlights look like, oh. Oh, I just, I just listened. I wasn't really paying, all right? Okay, can we read it one more time, right? And then you read it one more time, and everybody's got something to say. Sometimes we read our Bibles that way, right? I do sometimes. Like, yeah, I read it, and I was like, yeah, good, I read it. But if somebody said, tell me what God was speaking to you in that text, or even simply what was that text about, uh, right? I'm not alone, right? Okay, okay. So what this does is it forces a discipline. I'm not a good writer. Who cares? Nobody's reading it. Scribble down the verse of Scripture. Sometimes it's a, it's a phrase that I see in a lot of places. So I just reference all the verses and I write down the phrase that stuck out to me. But write some Scripture down. Observation. Here's what came out. I just wrote, first of all, when they heard who Jesus was, they literally followed him. Think of it so metaphorical today. Second observation, they followed so closely that Jesus could see them following because they turned around and saw them following. Third, when Jesus saw them following closely, he asked them what they wanted. Those are just my observations from that tiny little verse. <clears throat> application. A lot of times in my application, I ask questions that I meditate on later in the day, that I, sometimes I answer them while I'm writing down. Sometimes I just leave it as a question. Here's, here's my application part. Am I actually following Jesus 
Or is that just my personal code for going to church and having fond feelings directed towards God? If Jesus followed me for a week, this is where this all came from, would he see me following him? Could he tell at all that I'm a Jesus follower? If I am following Jesus closely, what do I want? Why am I following? And there's a question that Jesus asked his disciples, and as I sat there and read my Bible, I felt like there was a question that Jesus was asking me right then and there. P, I had to write down my prayer. I could have left it at that, but I had to write down. P is the prayer part. And I just said, Father, help me in my disciplines this year. I so want to hear your voice every day. Help me when I get lazy. I so want to follow you closely. I want to be so familiar with your voice. I love you, Lord. That's it. Scripture is God's primary way of speaking to us. Can I be honest? I read John 1 more than once, and the first time I read it, I went, oh, I've already read all that. And then I went, dang, I'm supposed to get something out of this. All right, so then I had to sit down and I had to read it all again. And I had to listen to what God was saying. And then when I heard what he was saying, I just started writing it down. The word of God is God's primary way of speaking to us. And number three is this, writing. Okay? If you need to know what to do in your time with the Lord, just www. You remember when back when the internet was young and you had to write in www.whatever? I'm sure www.followjesus is something, but www, that's, a, that's, that's our, uh, our elements of meaningful time with Jesus. Worship, word, and the third one, writing. Worship and word, I can give you a thousand scripture verses, maybe not a thousand, probably literally close, to, to why we need the worship and the word. Writing, I can't give you a, a whole bunch of Bible verses about this, but I can tell you this. It does wonders for my discipline so that when I read the word, it sinks into my heart. The psalmist said, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against me. I want to, I know me. And I know that if I just read a chapter, I can get on with my day four minutes later. The question is, are we after, uh, you know, like, is God looking for a task from you or is he looking for time with you? You know something that, that radically changed my own personal quiet time was when, I, when I, I changed the way that I approached my time with the Lord. And rather than saying, God, I'm gonna give you these disciplines, worship, word, and writing, for instance, or whatever it might be at that time. I said, God, I'm gonna give you this time. I'm gonna give you a half hour. And it completely freed me up from feeling like I was accomplishing tasks. Because if, if I say, God, I'm gonna give you the next 30 minutes, and I start worshiping, and I'm like, whoa, man, I just sense God's presence. I just wanna keep on worshiping. So I just let that song replay, or I just let it go to the next song. And I, my, 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 my worship just rises up in my heart, and I never actually read the word or write anything down that day. Guess what? I win. I may not have checked all the boxes, but I spent 30 minutes meditating on the goodness of Christ in his presence. Isn't that what we're after? Or, or maybe I start with the word or I worship and I get to the word and I'm like, whoa, there's a, a narrative, there's a story. I gotta keep on reading. I just start reading the word and I'm reading the word and reading the word and I never actually write anything down. Don't let that happen too often, especially if you don't like writing. If, you, if the Lord keeps leading you to skip the disciplines that you don't like to do, 
may not be the Lord as much as you think. But you get the picture. The moment I get to rephrase it, I'm like, I'm not accomplishing a task for God. God, I just, I'm going to give you 30 minutes. I'm going to give you an hour. I'm going to give you this 15 minutes before I go to work. I'm going to give you this time. When we give you this time, they're like, these elements, www, this, this worship word and writing, those are helpful. But God doesn't need more tasks from you. He's looking for time with you. These are just helpful elements in order to be able to experience the, the presence of God with him. This is what writing does for me. I know some of you instantly, you're like, ah, that's not, I'm going to do the other ones. I'm try it, please, just try it, try it. Not because Paul said it or God said it, because I am, just try it. Here's what it'll do. It, it helps you to remember, right? One, you go back a year. I, I've read some, as I'm trying to do better at writing now, I went back and read some old journals. It's cool to remember what God has spoken to you. But let's be honest, we don't do that real often. It's nice to have. But here's the more significant ones for me. It forces me to slow down. Because I, I can think so much faster than I can write. And sometimes I read the Bible and go, ooh, that was kind of a neat thought. But I, I don't slow my thinking down very much. And by lunchtime, I've forgotten what I've, not only what God spoke, but I forget the chapter I read. So writing something out forces you to slow down enough for you to meditate on the truth and to think about what God's speaking to you. Right? Let's not blow through it. Let's give them the time. And if we've already set aside the time, not the task, if we've already set aside the time that I'm going to spend the next half hour, like, then why not just write it down, slow down, meditate on what God is doing. He's looking for time with you, not the task from you. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to spend time with him. So here's what I would love. I would love for you to pray about this. Okay? I want you to seriously consider is this something that I'm willing to begin? Don't just like read your Bible tomorrow morning and call it. Is this something that I'm, I'm willing? And then tell somebody, hey, I'm going to try this WWW thing, this, this worship word and writing thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. <clears throat> and I, I, I want to see, I, I want to I experience Jesus on a daily basis. And so you're going to, especially if it's not a habit, you're going to forget one day, you're getting caught up in a routine. There's no condemnation. Just jump back into wherever you're at in your Bible. Okay? <clears throat> I'm going to come back to this all year long. Because I can stand up on this, this stage, or Beth, or Pastor Grady, or Pastor Rob, or Pastor, whoever's up here, and we can teach principle after principle after principle after principle after principle from God's word. But if we don't have a foundation of relationship with the God of the principle, then none of us are really going to stick. So until we can do this, we're going to keep on coming around to the same topics and the same issues and the same sin and the same. Let's follow Jesus. Let's do what it takes. Let's invest that time. Because guess what? Following Jesus takes work. I know you're like, ooh, don't say work and following Jesus. Is this like workspace religion? No. Anybody say that marriage doesn't take work? Didn't Jesus call, didn't God call us the bride? Marriage takes work. It's not about work. It's just like a relationship with God. Are you willing to put in the work? That's, no, it's not about the work. But it takes work to maintain any relationship. Is it worth it to you? Father God, you are good, you are holy, and you are sovereign. You love us so much. Father, I just right here, right now, I come against any feeling of condemnation or defeated thoughts 
Because God, you are a God of freedom, not of bondage. God, God, yes, we may not have been right where we wanted to be last year, but God, in the name of Jesus, I declare freedom over your people because you have declared freedom over your people. But now, God, from the sincerity of our hearts, we want to follow you. God, I want to do what it takes. I want to discipline my thinking. I want to discipline my schedule. I want to, I want to discipline my life because I just want to know you more. We want to know you more. So, Father, we pray, we ask that we would see you this way, week in new ways. May your voice come alive. May your spirit come alive in our times with you this week. God, we love you. And we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others. But please, do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.